Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joshua M. Clark. With me is Charles W. Bryant. That makes this Stuff You Should Nizzo. Um, and uh, that's that. Hi. Hey. Josh M. Clark. Joshua. Joshua M. M. Clark. Clark. Yes. You don't have a fancy setup today? I have an intro. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Wow, Chuck, you're really kind of putting <laughs> me up against the wall, aren't you, today? Are you waiting on me? A little bit? Okay. Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Chuck? Josh. Have you ever heard of Lloyd Schofield? I have not. Yes, you have. You always do this. Who is he? Uh, he is a guy out in San Francisco who has proposed ah, yes. for next November's, um, I guess, referendum elections? It wouldn't even be midterm. What do you call the elections between midterm and, you know, the big ones? Quarter term? I don't know. Okay, we'll call it that. For next November's ballot in San Francisco, there may be a referendum, if Lloyd Schofield has anything to do with it, that outright bans male circumcision. In San Francisco. Well, yeah. Obviously. you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, Schofield He's... needs 7,100 signatures. Uh-huh. And uh, basically, read, read, the, uh, read the provision, Chuck, the, the wording of the uh, proposed referendum. Uh, it would uh, make it a misdemeanor mm-hmm. to circumcise, excise, cut, or mutilate the genitals of a person under 18. Right. And he, he says it's genital mutilation. That's how he feels. And other people feel that way, too. Yeah, he's definitely not um, on his own in that one. There's some people in this uh, CBS AP article they are like, it's a little too far. It should be the choice of the parents. Right. Schofield's idea, and it's kind of it kind of appears in this um, in the wording of the ballot measure, that it, it's a parent's choice, but it's not the choice of most people who are circumcised because they're generally circumcised as newborn infants. Yeah, little boys are. And he likened it to t- uh, tattooing because you're not allowed to tattoo a child. When did you start saying tattoo like that? What do you mean tattoo? Is that weird? Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. It's like uh, humans. <laughs> well, he, that's what he says. He said that, you know, to felony, to tattoo a kid. <laughs> and so uh, Jerry's really laughing in there. Yeah. Uh, to tattoo a child. And so he says it's the same thing. Well, yeah, he's actually saying it's way, way worse well, than tattooing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he, he is saying it's along the same lines as a choice by the parents that is possibly against the child's will later on. Sure. Um, and that's that. So let's talk about circumcision because this, this is a little, that's an odd approach to me. You know, like the, yeah. the way I've always understood it is, you you know, there's circumcision out there. It's not weird. It's not odd. But as you kind of get older, you realize that there's, you know, two sides to this whole story. Yes, yeah, a hot and, debate. And it, it kind of is, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of come to, to realize, like, there's people out there who think that people who aren't circ- circumcised are weird. And people out there who think that people who are circumcised are weird, right? Exactly. Let's do some stats, stat man. Well, I think the first stat we should open with, uh, perhaps, is that if you are an American boy or man in the last 30 years, then there's about a three in five chance that you are circumcised here in this country over the past three decades. Although that is falling Big time. Yeah. Uh, what was it, three in five chance? Now, um, in 2005, 
between 1980 and I think 2000, it was about three and five, right? Yes. And then by 2005, uh, it had dropped to about 53%. Yeah. And the, uh, and, uh, Schofield says that in, uh, 2009, mm-hmm. it fell to 33%. That's a huge drop. So yeah. in, in a decade, it fell 30%. Uh, and they actually think one of the reasons why is because there's been an increasing presence of Hispanics yeah, in the sure. U.S., and Hispanics are much, much less likely than any other yeah. group um, to circumcise their male infants. And it's also lower out west in, uh, where there's a larger Hispanic population. Yeah, in the Midwest, there's about a 75% chance yeah. that you are going to circumcise your boy. Yeah. Uh, in the South, there's half. Yeah, 50-50. Mm-hmm. right? It's like um, Russian roulette with a two-barreled, two-chambered gun. Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Uh, and then out west, yeah, it's less than a quarter um, of of the uh, male infants are circumcised out there every year. But ultimately, yeah. there's about 1.2 million circumcisions. Well, there were in 2005. Yes. So now we're down to less than that. But in 2005, there were about 1.2 million male boys born in the United States who were circumcised, right? Yeah, and since you mentioned that, that uh, at about two hundred dollars a pop, even though it's included in your in your birthing mm-hmm. bill, mm-hmm. Uh, it's about two hundred and forty million dollars that um, insurance companies would love to not have to pay. Exactly. So there's actually um, oh, I, I, I don't know if it's overt support or maybe quiet financial support or whatever, but the insurance companies are very happy to side with the sure. uh, anti-circumcision movement and Medicaid. Yes, of course. So Chuck, let's talk about the penis. Let's talk about the foreskin. That's part of it. We're going to say the word penis a whole lot. Yes. Because you can't avoid it when you're talking about circumcision. That's right, Chuck. Because let's just go ahead and set up for our foreign friends who may not know what circumcision is, like roller derby. Uh, <laughs> circumcision is when the foreskin of the penis. That's also called the prepuce. Prepuce is removed. Simple as that. So... You got the prepuce, mm-hmm. which is the foreskin. Yes. It covers the tip of the penis, which is also called the glands. G-L-A-N-S. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's a piece of connective tissue that works much like the connective tissue that anchors the bottom of your tongue to the floor of your mouth. Yes. Uh, called a frenulum. And that keeps yeah. the prepuce uh, connected to the glands. Yeah. And they also said the inner portion of the uh, foreskin is also much like the inside of your mouth in that... It has a natural uh, moisture to lubricate the glands. It's hot and moist in there. That's what it says. Yes. Um, it uh, yeah. It provides lubrication, which kind of keeps it safe and sheathed, I guess. Right. Yeah, from abrasion and like uh, they mentioned, cold, cold and win- dr- uh, the dry winter air can yes. be rough on uh, a glands. Yeah, and they. This was a Tom Sheev article, and my hat is off to him for this one. Yes, Tom did a great job with this. I liked your first response. Thank you. Um, Chuck, it also contains the uh, prepuce, also contains um, some nerve cells, Didn't nerve bundles, uh, blood, special blood cells. I had no idea. Uh, just It makes the, the uh, penis that much more sensitive. And the fact that it's, uh, it produces movement, mm-hmm. aids in stimulation. Yeah, and lubrication. So there's a lot of people who are happy with their um, prepuce or foreskin and are very glad that they are... Um, Uncut, as the anti-circumcision groups would call it. Right. Right? Or natural is another one. That's right. And since we're talking about the foreskin, it's not the same on all dudes. It's uh, like every human body part. It varies from person to person. 
uh, and some men actually are sort of naturally circumcised mm-hmm. because they're either born with very little foreskin or they have foreskins that actually retract during puberty. Mm-hmm. They go, <laughs> exactly. or maybe sad trombone. <laughs> And uh, they do serve a protective purpose, but they can also, and for people that are on both sides, we're going to present both sides of the argument, so don't say, you guys, you're just talking about this one side. We're going to talk about both sides. Sure, of course. But some one, one camp believes that uh, it can cause some problems. Well, it can. I think everybody agrees on these. Like, these are the very rare problems that can come about okay, from yeah. having foreskin. We should say that it's rare, though, because uh, one of the big problems that the anti-circumcision folks have is that these are overstated. Like, when mm-hmm. you say it can, it's uh, easier to, to uh, get dirty and bacteria can build up and all these things can happen. That is true, but it's not like if you skip a shower... This is going to happen. Well, let's talk about this because okay. there there are some some problems that can arise just from having an or normal foreskin. One of those problems because it is like the inside of your mouth in there, warm, moist. Got to keep it clean. You do have to keep it clean, and if you don't, a um, white uh, buildup, a white soapy buildup. Soapy, soupy. It says cheesy in the article. Cheesy, that's right. Yeah. A white cheesy buildup called smegmum can develop. Um, and once you start developing a white cheesy buildup called smegmum within your foreskin, um, you want to take a really hard, long look at your grooming habits. Yeah. Did you say smegmum? Smegma. Okay. Smegmums may be the plural. No. It's just smegma. Singular? I, just, I want to make sure you were saying it right. Smegma. Because the last thing I want is listener mail on the pronunciation of smegma. <laughs> we get all these uh, voice files. Although I've always said smegma, but I think... Smegma. Yeah, maybe I've just said schmegma for humor's sake. Maybe. All right. That was around the time Wayne's World was out, wasn't it? <laughs> probably so. Um, that's just one. I, that's probably a pretty minor thing. I, I'm sure that's easily corrected. Your foreskin, though, can also be, um, well, it can develop in two two ways. Too tight or too loose, right? And they each have their problems. Take it, Chuck. Uh, too tight, it can cause a condition known as phimosis. It's like trying to put on a sweater that's way too small for you. That's a good way to look at it. And uh, that is a, a medical, that's the main medical determinant for whether or not you should get a, a circumcision. Right. Like the main medical reason right. would be phimosis. I think that's probably because it's the most frequent. It's probably the most frequent problem. You think? I think. Okay. If it's too loose, then it's going to be called paraphimosis. And that's like wearing your dad's sweater. Yes. And it can cause swelling of the glands in the foreskin. And there's also something called uh, balanposthesis, which is swelling of the mucous surfaces of the foreskin. Right. And uh, that can lead to skin disease, uh, problems with the urethra, pain, all sorts of things that you don't want to have going on And this general, like, why, God, why? Yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, you can have your frenulum attached too tightly. That's the frenulum brevi, where it's just like, that's like trying to poke your head through that very, very tight sweater. <laughs> That's a good uh, way to look at it as well. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, very evocative, Josh. And um, circumcision can help correct all of these problems, but it is rarely uh, medically necessary to get uh, circumcised. Right. And like we said, um, these problems do exist. They are serious problems. It's at the very least uncomfortable, if not you know, downright dangerous. Sure. Um, and I think both sides agree that there are circumstances such as these that do um, warrant circumcision. Yeah. The problem is m- most 
circumcision, I'm sure the vast majority of circumcisions are um, customary, cultural, preventative, right? Yeah. Sociological in nature. Sure. Let's talk about the origins of circumcision. When did humans get the idea to cut the foreskin off of boys' penises? Well, did it start with the Bible? This is where Tom started, but no, it didn't start with the Bible. Egypt? As far back as we can find, the Egyptians were doing okay. it. Okay. That's what we understand. Okay. Well, you want to talk about that? Well, let's talk about the Bible first, because okay. uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, God uh, made a covenant with Abraham. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, Abraham was a Jewish patriarch, and his descendants... Abraham was the patriarch of the houses of the Jews and the Muslims, dude. Oh, really? Yes. Isaac, his son, uh-huh. went on to found the Jew... Well, went on to found Judaism. He was the father of Judaism. Ishmael, oh, well, his yeah. other son, be, went his on His illegitimate to, son. Right. But yeah. he went on to found um, uh, Islam. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Isaac, they said, basically, uh, God's going to bless um, Jews with riches and success. All the, you know, the land will be fruitful if you get circumcised by your eighth day. Yes. Of of life. And not just you, but yeah, yeah, your everybody. sons. Yeah. Any servants that you capture. <laughs> yeah. Any ser- any sons that those captured servants has. All boys. Yeah. Have to be. Circumcised, And this has led to the fact that today, 98% of Jewish men are, in fact, circumcised. Right. And um, according to biblical tradition, uh, Ishmael was circumcised before he was basically run off from Abraham's family. Right. And um, so that kind of formed the basis of the uh, Muslim tradition of circumcision, which continues today. Yeah. If you look at um, Muslim texts, the Quran, mm-hmm. apparently it doesn't have any endorsement or mention of circumcision. Right, right. But most Muslims today still do circumcise because uh, Muhammad apparently was circumcised. So they're, uh, I guess it's a reverence for their prophet. Yes. And today, uh, about two thirds of every circumcised men on the planet are Muslim. Ta-da. <laughs> So 98% of Jewish men yep. and two-thirds of uh, Muslim men, circumcised. Well, no, no, no. two-thirds, two-thirds of, all, of men. all men on the planet are Muslim who are that circumcised. Are circumcised. <laughs> exactly. That's a tough exactly. one. Exactly. It's kind of an odd uh, qualifier. Uh, Christian sects don't really endorse one way or the other. They say, like, you know, decide amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, they don't really have a stance one way or the other. Is that right? That's right. And we talked about the Egyptians probably being the earliest group as far as Western culture is concerned. Um, like with most things, uh, the Egyptians came up with this idea. Yeah. Not necessarily independently. Or right. if they did independently, they weren't the only ones. But they apparently were the ones who uh, exposed um, the early Israelites, the early Jews to right. this uh, concept. Right? Yeah. And then... Uh, at about the same time, possibly even before, other groups, the Mayans and the Aztecs, yeah. have, were both um, circumcising their boys. Um, indigenous Australians, uh-huh. uh, African, Asian, and other American tribes, right? Yeah, yeah. And Georgians. Yeah. Uh, what is that? The, I've never ho- heard of them. The Col- Colchians? Yeah, I hadn't heard of them either. But they Herodotus apparently... described them. So they were ancient people that is now modern-day Georgia, and mm-hmm. they were into it. <laughs> yeah. Well... They practiced it. <laughs> and then so here in the West, um, I guess it was strictly religious until about the 19th century, right? And then all of a sudden medicine is like, we, we can do that. Well, yeah, but that's also around the same time that they were doing all sorts of things, saying that this could solve this and this. Like 
we can treat VD and we can cure homosexuality with circumcision. Mm-hmm. And uh, impotence was another one? Yeah. So they, they were a little bit off base, I would say, there. As in way off base. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, but it did it did uh, have a lasting impression. Circumcision did become uh, associated with the medical establishment here in the West. And that I think that's translated elsewhere. Uh, in the Jewish faith, a um, mohel. Mohel. Mole. Mole? Yeah, mole. Okay. Um, they still perform bris. Uh-huh. Brises? <laughs> Brisai? Brisum. I just, the only thing I know about that is from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. When Jerry was supposed to perform the snip. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they, they may still perform these procedures, uh, in the Arab world, in the Muslim world. Um, that's, it's generally done in the medical realm. Right. Um, and then that's actually, that was taken away from barbers. In ancient Turkey, oh in really? Middle, in, yeah, in Turkey, in the Middle East of the Middle Ages, Thank God barbers for that. used to do amputations, bloodlettings, sure. and circumcisions. Bloodlettings like uh, give you a nice Leeches. bleeding, and mm-hmm. you'll be feeling better. Get all the uh, toxins <laughs> out of your blood. Uh, let's talk about it around the globe, like how how it actually goes down, like today. Yeah, like the Jews still still do it traditionally uh, before the eighth day. They kind of stick to that. In Egypt, it's um, anywhere from birth to about eight years old. Mm-hmm. And in Malaysia, it's uh, in other places, it's like a rite of passage, like adult, early adolescence. Uh, yeah. Uh, some um, In some Muslim cultures, once a boy can recite the Quran um, right. once, like all the way through. Right, right. Which, I mean, think about that. And think about if you don't want to get circumcised, you <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't remember yeah. that one part. Uh, once a boy can do that, um, that's associated with the time when he'll be circumcised after that. And you didn't see, there's some really sad, cute pictures in this article. Oh, yeah. There's a little boy who's clutching his genitalia under his hospital gown oh, and crying God, because awful. he's like second in line to be circumcised. There's a kid who's being circumcised on page zero. It's. Wow. Sad stuff. I'm glad I don't print the pictures out. No. I don't want to see that. Uh, in Africa, Josh, it is also, in a lot of tribes, a coming-of-age type of thing. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal in Africa, though. Sometimes there's not, in these remote areas, a trained professional with all the right equipment. And they do it anyway. Yeah. And because of this, there's like a 35% increased risk of uh, complications. 6% like severe complications yeah. that possibly um, result in partial or full amputation of the penis. Yeah. Um, but sometimes a traveling uh, circumciser will roll through town in his Circumcise. ice cream truck. <laughs> and everybody comes out and uh, with boys of all ages because they know the safe, uh, real doctor with the real clean equipment is there. And so they'll bring out boys of all ages to get circumcised when he rolls through. Yes. Which is a good thing that happens. Asia is extremely rare unless they have um, thriving Muslim po- populations. Right. But in Asia, among Asian cultures, it's, it's pretty uncommon, except, Chuck, in South Korea and the Philippines. Yeah. Circumcision is pretty common. Who knew? Uh, the American servicemen knew. Yeah, is that the reason why in mm-hmm. Korea? Yes, and the Philippines. Um, American servicemen stationed there in the latter half, beginning in the latter half of the 20th century, um, apparently got the word leaked out that they were missing their prepuce, and um, South Koreans and Filipinos started following suit. All righty. 
Well, that's circumcision around the globe today. If we forgot your country, then we apologize. <laughs> Please write in. Uh, shall we talk about the procedure itself? Yeah, as Tom put it, next up, the big show. Is that what he said? <laughs> I didn't see that part. There's some, um, did you, so you didn't see the pictures? You didn't I mean, see the illustrations, like step-by-step illustrations? Yeah, I didn't need it. There's I, even I like dotted lines, like where you clip out a coupon. <laughs> they have these. I have a pretty good idea what's going on down there. So I didn't, I was just fine with the words. Uh, so what happens, Josh, is uh, a baby, if it's a baby, an infant circumcision, then they strap the baby down, of course, arms and legs, which is, just seems aw- like an awful thing. <laughs> it's a bad start. When you read it. Um, they give a either a topical anesthetic, uh, you know, rubbed around the area or injected around the base of the penis mm-hmm. to numb the area. Yeah. Um, there are a few different devices that the person performing the procedure can choose from, and I know you know a little bit about these. I you? do. Let's hear it. There's like three things? Well, there's the Gomco clamp, the Mogan clamp, and the Plastibel device, right? Yeah. So I, did, I, I didn't really look into the Mogan clamp um, because it just looks <laughs> too... Wow. But the uh, Gomco clamp... Um, has been around for a while, and that sounds like something you would see on a late night TV ad. You can actually buy them on the internet for like really? two hundred and thirty bucks. Wow! Yeah, search Gomco clamp; it comes up. Uh, and do not, do not buy one and do this at home. That is in no way an endorsement. No, for you no, to no, buy no, no. a Gomco yes, clamp. Do any? Just stop, stop yes. right now. Uh-huh. Um, there, the Gomco clamp involves a bell with a an arm, an appendage that comes off the tip of the bell. Uh-huh. Put that in. Pull the um, foreskin up around the bell. So what you're doing is you're inserting this metal layer between the, the glands and the foreskin. Yeah, like all these things, you're separating the foreskin from the glands. Exactly. Right. That's pretty much the key to circumcision. Sure. Um, you pull it up around. You slide it through this hole. It has an arm attached to the top of the bell. So uh-huh. It's holding everything taut. And then you cut around it. And remove the foreskin. The Plasti Bell um, device is it's similar. It doesn't have the the arm and the clamp uh-huh. holding everything, but basically you're just you're putting a bell in between the glands and the foreskin, and um, then you you basically tie off a suture uh-huh. around the the foreskin that's been pulled up, right? And then you cut that, and then eventually, after like a few days, the bell falls off, and you're fine, supposedly. Well, and that's about the recovery period, uh, period. If you're an infant, is about three to four days. Plan on having a grumpy little baby boy mm-hmm. for those next few days and plan on uh, keeping the area really, really clean. And uh, maybe you might even have to bandage it. And just you got to make sure that you keep it uh, separate from diaper poo-poo because you don't yeah. want a fresh surgery being around fecal matter not not a good thing. No, it's you're you're looking at a pretty hefty little horrible infection there too. Yeah. And it takes about thirty minutes. It, yeah. If you're an adult, you don't necessarily need to use any of these other um, bells or whistles. <laughs> Literally bells. Um, but you can just pull the foreskin forward, make a couple of incisions, um, cut off the frenulum, uh-huh. stitch back. Basically, you're stitching this hanging loose skin to the just to the corona, which is the strip just below the the glands. Yeah. Um, and bada boom, bada bing, no sex for a couple weeks. Which no one should have to tell you that, but we're telling you that. Yeah. That would be common sense if you ask me. Then it's done. So why are people doing this, Chuck? I mean, think about that. Especially as an adult. Why, why are people circumcising? 
uh, both their themselves and their infant sons? Why is it like all the rage? So this is the argument for, and we will cover the argument against before you get upset by Chuck Bryant, Mr. Schofield. Uh, the reason, some of the reasons, Josh, are obviously, like we said, you're raised in a religion or a culture where that's the thing you do. Then you would probably do that, right? Um, some fathers think that their son's penis should kind of be like theirs, and they're a little Matro weirded out. Fact: ninety percent, nine tenths of yeah. circumcised men opt to have their sons circumcised, and about three quarters of uncircumcised men opt to have their sons not circumcised. Yeah, so about fifteen percent remain less. natural. Interesting. Uh, some parents want their sons to just be like the rest of the little boys. If and if you live in the United States and most boys are like that, they don't want you to stand out in the locker room and, uh, potentially be teased, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, uncircumcised men are twice as likely to contract, uh, HPV and pass that along. That's what I, that's what I hear. And apparently circumcision also helps, uh, prevent or protect against chlamydia and syphilis. They say, and this is from the Journal of American uh, Medical Association. We should say, we should. Same same goes with a study that found recently that um, s- areas that don't circumcise or where circumcision is uncommon uh-huh. um, tend to have higher prevalences of HIV. I don't know if those two are causal, like HIV right. is more easily contracted because there's this maybe um, the the uh, Blood vessels are closer to the surface, right? When the foreskin is attached, yeah. Um, or if it's just correlated, like maybe they have, uh, maybe these areas have lesser health care, right? Right. Or less adequate health care. Well, at any rate, they put that number at sixty percent less likely, it, but it's only it's not for male to male sex. It's only female to male transmission. Is that right? Of HIV is what it says. Look at you go. I know. Uh, some people think it's uh, cleaner, but that's completely unsupported from what I can tell medically, right? That's, that's just a, a perception, if I'm not mistaken. And then there are some who just think it's prettier. Yeah, better looking. Yeah. Sleeker. <laughs> All right, Josh, that's the case for generally. Let's talk about people who are against this, like Mr. Schofield. What are their arguments? Well, I get the impression that there's a lot of people who, well, the people who are against it are vehemently against it. And one of the biggest arguments is that it's um, mutilation. Yeah, genital mutilation. It is genital mutilation. Female um, circumcision, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, is n- basically considered now in the Western world, the developed world, uh-huh. female genital mutilation, right. not female circumcision any longer. Right, right. And the uh, one of the big points among um, anti-circumcision people is that this is the same thing with men. It's just for some reason more right. accepted sure. in the West than female circumcision is. Yeah, but if you're against it, you probably think it's old-fashioned and unnecessary. Unnecessary is a big one. Yeah. The American Academy of Pediatrics considered this in 1999 and said, you know what, we're not going to endorse this. We're not going to come out against it, but right. we've looked at all of the information. We see no medical reason to do this, and we're not going to endorse it. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a big one that the uh, the anti-circumcision lobby cites a lot. Yeah. When I, when I read that, that they didn't endorse it or they said that you shouldn't do it, this is such a tender subject that I kind of got the impression they were a little bit like, I ain't going there. Why don't you just decide? Right. Like, we don't have a lot of data either way, so we're not going to say. It's, I get the impression that it's a lot like uh, the natural birth movement. 
There's a think? lot of probably similar sentiment, maybe a lot of crossover, actually, between right. the two. Uh, Josh, there are risks of scarring. Uh, there are risks of infection. Yeah, this is a big one right here. It can go wrong. Yeah, and it, it does. Like, you can have your penis lopped off because of a bad circumcision. Yeah. That's a pretty good reason not to do it. I don't think it's it super your, common. Your kid. No, but I think it's, it's very uncommon. Yeah, but when you're talking about your 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 maybe your only male son, it can only be a male son, but your only son, do you want to take that kind of risk? I, I don't know yet. What? It, well, yeah, sure. I don't know. Stop pressuring me. No, I'm not pressuring you. I was just, <laughs> I'm not asking you. I'm just asking theoretically. But I think that's probably the sentiment among a lot of like first time parents. Now, but, sure. You know, like, should we do this? I haven't really thought about it before. And like, holy cow, now we have to decide. Right. Or do we? Um, another, another argument against is that you take away the child's right to choose. Yeah. Um, there are, there is a procedure called an epipasm. Uh, which um, there's actually a surgical procedure, which is kind of a skin graft. Um, yeah. It's not always desirable. Sometimes you get a different color, yeah. a different texture, because yeah. this is someone else's foreskin, or else it's skin from elsewhere on your body. That it's probably from your body, I would say. And then there's also like a non, there's non-surgical things you can do too, right, Chuck? To to that, to create a new uh, foreskin to recreate it? Yes, Josh. Uh, there are non-surgical ways, and I have never heard of this at all. I hadn't either. Until I read this article. Um, over time, mm-hmm. and we're not recommending that you try this at home, by the way. This is this is something you really need to know a lot about. Um, over time, though, you can apparently stretch your foreskin using weights and straps, and it will eventually stretch to where it could cover your glands. That's what they say. There's another method that has uh, involves inflating little balloons under your skin, under your penile skin, to prom- prompt new skin cell growth. Uh-huh. I guess to fill in the void. I guess so. And then when you deflate the balloons, you've got all that extra skin. Right. And you go, ta-da. So that's an epipasm. So, yeah, the, the point is um, one of the arguments against circumcision is that you take away a kid's right to choose. And if yeah. that kid turns like 18, 21, 35, 50... And goes, I really want a foreskin. Basically, he doesn't have a lot of options available to him. Balloons and weights and straps. And skin grafts. And skin grafts. Yeah. So that's that's another reason. What are some more reasons, Chuckers? Well, like we said, in the foreskin, there's a lot of uh, sensitive areas for sexual stimulation. And that once you lose that, it's gone. Yeah. So theoretically, you're cutting down on the man's uh, pleasure centers <laughs> somewhat. Sure. And who wants to do that to your kid? Puritan? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they say, you know, like psychologists might say that um, a child might remember this somehow. And- Re- resulting in lingering psychological <laughs> repercussions. It's That's a very right. Freudian sentence. Uh, some people think it's better looking to have the foreskin and prettier that way. Yeah. I, w- I would like to conduct a poll. I don't know how we could do this conceivably, but I, would, no way. I would like to. I know. <laughs> not, not And not get in trouble. Right. Um, but I, I am curious, like, where... Like which one is considered more attractive? I have no idea. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm 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 very curious. Yeah. You know, like sure. is it are, like do people think people who like a foreskin think those people are weird or vice right. versa? Or I'm very curious. This is all just I'm curious. This yeah, you've been you've been fascinated by this whole thing, huh? I have. From page zero. <laughs> uh, and there are a couple of more reasons. Some men subconsciously might not feel complete, and then the big reason. You're born with it, so that might mean that you should keep it on your body. 
Yeah, like if we didn't need it, why would we have it? Exactly. Wouldn't it have whether you whether you believe in creationism or evolution, there's the the both of those kind of touch upon that. Yeah. We wouldn't have it if we didn't need it. Yep. It didn't serve some purpose. Mm-hmm. Did you already cover the language part? I think you'd mention that, right? A little bit. If you are talking to somebody who is in the um, anti-circumcision camp, uh, you don't want to use the term uncircumcised because it implies that there is something wrong, that there's something missing. Right. They, something hasn't been done yet. Like that's not the norm. Right. And yeah. so they, the people in the... Um, Anti-circumcision camp tend to prefer um, terms like natural, yeah, uncut, mm-hmm. full length, intact, intact. Yeah, yeah. We'd be remiss, Josh. You did mention female genital mutilation. Uh, this is a big problem around the world. Between 100 and 140 million women have been victims of this. Um, a lot of times, there are. I'm sorry, all the time. There's no medical reason for doing this. Right. Like they will remove the clitoris sometimes. Yeah, this actually um, was kind of, it came about in the West, too. It's uh-huh. still a huge problem in Africa. Apparently, um, 92 million girls under the age of 10 have undergone female genital mutilation. Awful. Um, and that's just Africa alone. Um, but in the West, it was popular. Uh, my, I, I had no idea. But here in the West, in the United States, really, until 1977, oh yeah, Blue Cross covered it. That's nuts. Female, they covered clitorectomy, clitor, 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 clitoridectomy. That's awful. Clitoridectomy, which is the partial or total removal of the clitoris, right? Yeah. Um, and w- the this this fad of circumcision mm-hmm. came about at at about the same time in the 19th century, and for the same reasons. As male circumcision, oh, really? which is yet another argument against male circumcision, because we've come to see female circumcision as barbaric, right? Even though they were both brought up for the same reasons, which was it's cleaner, it's more hygienic, it's it's right. healthier, sure. And also with girls, they had the added bonus of it reduces reduces their sexual pleasure from masturbation, right? And therefore, it will it's much more morally hygienic as well, right? This is one of the reasons why it's come be, become or come to be seen as barbaric, uh-huh. because it actually does reduce tremendously the sensitivity a woman can experience in oh, sex, yeah. sure. right? There's a lot of other problems with it, too. Um, there's a, a little procedure called infabulation. Uh-huh. And that basically is you cut the inner or outer labia so that it grows back to narrow or close the vagina, and what's the idea here? Are they? Is it a moral idea, thing where they're yeah. trying to prevent their daughters from being tempted to have sex or having sex? Yes, because to to get this reversed, yeah, you to have children, uh-huh. to have sex, to conceive, to do all these things, you basically have to have the procedure reversed. Wow! And then in some cultures that promote this, um, after childbirth, after the reproductive years, it's closed up again. Yeah. So not only are you undergoing it this first time, you're having it reversed, and then you're having it done again. So it is a huge problem, and it is viewed as barbaric in the West. Um, and the World Health Organization has come out starting in 1997 against this, and then I guess over the the ensuing decades uh, really lobbied the rest of the UN and, and got much wider support in February 2008. Yeah. Pretty much the entire UN issued this statement saying, like, this has to stop. This right. is really bad. But it still continues. Yeah. It happens in the U.S. It happens in um, Great Britain. 
in a lot of the um, minority African populations that immigrate here. Immigrate here. It, well, it's it's a problem. Yeah. Well, thank God for the WHO and groups like UNICEF and other human rights groups who are trying to get the word out on that too. Right. But Chuck, we've just arrived at a really kind of a hinky place. Like we everybody agrees this is barbaric. One of the reasons why is because it serves absolutely no medical reason whatsoever. No, there's no medical purpose to it. Right. It's all just basically chastity. Right, right. Um, so we all agree that that's barbaric. If there's really no medical reason for male circumcision... Isn't it the same thing? Is it barbaric? Yeah. Well, people against it sure say it is. People like Schofield. Yeah. And I'm not here to make a judgment either way because I don't have a son at this point. Mm-hmm. But... Maybe that day will come when I'm going to have to make that decision, and hopefully we put out at least some facts and figures on some both sides stats. of the coin, some stats. Yeah. It's tricky. Well, if you want to know more about circumcision and you want to see probably more illustrations of the um, male reproductive organ uh, than any other article on the site, including cut here dots, cut along the dotted line dots, you can you can type circumcision into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and that will bring all that stuff up. It's an interesting article, right? Yes, sir. Uh, since I said handy search bar, well, I said search bar at least, right? Yeah. It's time for listener mail. Yes, Josh, I thought this might be appropriate. You asked for stories about people who had their fingers cut off, and what podcast was that? One of them. Yeah, it's one, one, one of the podcasts. One, one of the things we did. And uh, so we got a bunch of stories of people who have lost fingers, and I picked out three fairly short ones to read. Uh, The first one comes from Melanie from Minnesota. She did not lose a finger, but her husband's uncle did. He was doing some woodworking in his garage, sawed his thumb, index finger, and part of his middle finger clean off. Wow. His wife rushed him to the hospital. They were able to reattach the thumb, but not his index finger. They were never able to find the rest of his ring finger, and they suspect that the dog ate it. Uh, now oh <laughs> He now has a prosthetic index finger, which he likes to remove and toss to people just to freak them out. Uh, he was a musician before the accident, and he's still able to play the piano with his faux finger. Wow. Which is pretty cool. And he has a winter and summer version. One is tan and one isn't. No way. Way. Wow. Uh, this next one is from Abby from Hamden, Connecticut. Uh, guys, I thought you might find this interesting. I am, in fact, missing two fingers, but I still have five fingers on each hand. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. This one may win the prize. The same is true for my mother and her grandmother. We all have a slight genetic disorder called polydactylism, mm-hmm. uh, which is when you're born with extra pinkies. The extra fingers were all cut off at birth because the bones in them were not fully formed, so now we all have little bumps on the sides of our hands that were once pinkies. That's, that's, <laughs> that's circumcision of fingers. It is. I kind of wish I had kept the little extra fingers and that they were fully functional because I would use them to play impossible pieces of music. I told my bio teacher about polydactylism in high school. She got very excited and gave me extra credit. She gave her extra credit for missing those fingers. It's pretty cool. Or she gave her extra credit for being born with two extra fingers. Or being brave enough to admit it in a classroom setting. Yeah. All right, and this last one is from James from Ohio. Uh, Guys, I have a missing finger story you might find disturbing or fascinating. In high school, my shop class teacher always had these crazy stories about his work in the industry field. In the industry field? It's a a pretty wide field. (laughs) It is. And one day, he had a story to tell us about a man who was unfortunate enough to lose some fingers. Uh, The story starts when my shop teacher worked at a metal sheet shaping factory. 
I bet you there's a lot of fingers in one of those places. Sure. Um, they make impossible curves on metal that, that couldn't normally exist. Fellow worker decided to pull an all-nighter and attempt to work machinery with coherency. Uh, unfortunately, the fingers uh, of the worker were caught in the metal working machine, pinched clean off, not cut, pinched off. My teacher explained that it took about a half an hour to find all the missing fingers, keep them cool in a fridge until uh, they were able to reattach them. It's like the machinist. Uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Oh, man, that movie was messed up. Yes, it was. So we got a lot more stories, and a lot were very detailed and more gruesome, so we went with these because they were short and a little lighter in Thank nature. Thank you for that, Chuck. That's very good. That's all I got. If you have an email that has absolutely nothing to do with that, we want to hear about it, you should wrap it up, send it to us, spank it on the bottom, and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?